0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we're going into part three of viewpoints. Um, So part one to kind of refresh where we are in this series is part one was what is our perspective on our problems? How do we perceive our problems? Part two was how do we perceive people around us? How do we perceive others? And part three is what we're about to get into. Everybody turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and also just put a little finger or, or note on Numbers 13, because we're going there as well, but most of us are in our phones, so have them both open. So a little context about Exodus 3 is that God is talking to, to Moses um, out of the burning bush. Uh, right now, Moses is 80 years old. He is 40 years removed um, from Egypt. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. We serve a God who knows our sorrows, who knows where we are at. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to, do a good, to, a, to, do, to a good and large land, to land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites, cellulites, all those things. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message. Say how to perceive what God has promised how to perceive what god has promised let's pray over tonight father we thank you for gathering us god we gather for no other reason just to go closer to you jesus so right now open our minds soften our hearts we're ready to receive from your holy spirit let this ground be good ground god let this atmosphere be an atmosphere of expectation and faith and belief because we are ready to see your best take place in our lives so jesus we love you so much let the best take place in this house tonight and also, God, let Texas win this weekend. I'm going to the game. Hopefully it works out. I don't want to go homestead. In the name of Jesus, everybody says, amen, amen. I, I, I'm not lying. Because if you don't know me, I, my dad was a sports writer for 25 years and we're huge UT fans. I would literally, if UT lost in football and basketball, like, it would ruin my week. Like, my whole week would be ruined. And so I have had a tough time <laughs> the last decade or so, I've been keeping up with UT sports, um, but God has been delivering me from that lately, um, especially since I've gotten married, I've got more important <laughs> things in my life than sports now, um, but anyways, we're going to the Texas game, and I just, I, I don't want to be sad on Saturday, so I'm just going to pray for it. So, let's turn to Numbers 13, we just read Exodus 3, Exodus 3 is God promising Uh, Moses, what he's going to do to the Israelites, how he's going to take them out of Egypt and deliver them to the promised land, to the land of milk and honey. And in Numbers 13, they arrive to their promise, verse 27. God has followed through with his promises. This is where we're picking up. They uh, have arrived to the promised land. God has removed them out of slavery. And up to this point where we pick up in verse 27, the Hebrew people are about a year removed from slavery. And so this is where we pick up, and so they have arrived to the promised land, and Moses picks out 12 spies to go out and to gain a perspective on their promised land, to gain a perspective on on the promise that God has given them. And so they go, and they get the, the perspective, and the spies go out, and they learn the information, and then they come back with that information, and this is the report that they brought back to the people. This is Numbers 13, 27. And says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly, everybody say truly, truly. flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So right off the bat, they said, we, we know that this is the land that God has promised, because remember in Exodus chapter 3, God said, I will take you to the land flowing of milk and honey. So they said, we found that promise. We found that promise. God has delivered on his promises, I just want to say right now, God is a God who delivers on his promises. The God we serve will never tell you that you will arrive somewhere, will never give you a promise without fulfilling that promise. We serve a God who who's not only a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. Uh, Hebrews 10 says it like this. It's let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Everybody said without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The first perspective you really got to have on the promises from God, you have to know that God is faithful. God know that if He gave you that promise, He's a faithful God. And even though that we might struggle and we might make mistakes, God is a faithful God, and we follow after Him. We will see the fullness of His promise. God will fill every promise that He has made to us. If God promised it, it will come to pass. And in verse twenty-eight, so they say, this is surely. And next scripture, they said, this is surely the land that God has promised. This is the land of milk and honey. Like, this is the, right away, right, if we're all thinking, we say, okay, this is the land God has promised, so let's go take it. But this is what they say. They say, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. Okay. Basically, we're saying, this is the land that God has promised, but the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and Knox's descendants were giants, and he said the Amalekites dwell in the land to the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Bites, all those people still there, Canaanites. And so basically what they, what, the, what they said is that this is the land that God has promised us, but there's a problem. That the, this promise isn't going to come easy. We're not just going to walk into our promise. We're gonna, this promised land, is, it's going to take uh, perseverance. It's going to take a fight, and that discouraged them. They they walk up to the promised land. They are expecting nobody to be there. They were expecting that they were expecting the promise to come easy. They're expecting the promise uh, to come passively. But let me tell you something, church family don't know. God's promises won't come passively into your life. God's promises won't just drop casually in your life. The promises of God won't just fall in your lap without you even knowing. And say, Oh, God, that's cool. Like God's promises doesn't do that. God's promises, they come at a price. Point one for tonight is that God's promises don't come passively, they come at a price. God's promises don't come passively, they come at a price. And a question that I had, I'm sure y'all have him, why does God's promises come at a price? Why isn't that if God promised it to us, why doesn't He need this? you know, cut off everything out, and it's like right away when he promises the next second we step into it. Like, why, why do they have to go through all these things? And the reason why I believe is that I think that God's promises are valuable. And everything that has value has a price. If it wasn't valuable in your life, it would be free. I mean, we've all been given things that are free, and like, we've lost it, We're like, I was free anyways. Like, we didn't really value it. But when you had to pay for it, When you had to put some sweat and blood and tears in for it, and you know the price of it, now all of a sudden you value it. And that's the thing about God's promises and the riches of God is that it is the most valuable thing, that's the most valuable thing that you can have ever, ever that you can have. So if it is the most valuable thing is God's promises, then it has to come at a price. It has to come at a price. Recently, Haley and I, we we purchased a home, and we were moving into it, getting everything ready. But I'm feeling the price of that. And I was mowing a yard. I've mowed a lot of yards before. But when I was mowing a yard that I paid for, I'm telling you, I was getting every grass, every blade. I was cutting everything. I was like, because there is a price to it. I, I, I realize now the price it takes to have a yard. So now I'm taking care of it. That's how God's promises to be in our life. We should see how, how valuable they are, and that they came at a price, and that we got to take care of it. And so the Israelites, they see that it's, it's the promises that are going to come at a price. And see, if you have the wrong perspective about God's promises in your life, and once you see that there's going to be a price to it, and once you see there might be some opposition, and once you see there might be some pushback, you'll be confused and think that if there's a pushback, then I have to take a step back. If there's a pushback, I might not be in God's will. If there's a pushback, this might not be God's promise. So if you have the wrong perspective, you won't want to, to pay the price. Because you're thinking, if God's promises, if that's the promised land, then it should just fall into my lap. That's the perspective that the Israelites had. They said, well, if God promised it to us, why doesn't he just give it to us for free, with no price, no no effort? But God's promises come at a price. But here's the good news about God's promises. Because you're saying, okay, you're talking about the price of God's promise. But here's the good news. God's promises don't does it come at a price of a dollar or silver or gold. You can't buy the promises of God. You can't gain enough followers on social media to attain the promises of God. You, you can't gain enough clout in the world to get the promises of God. The price for the promises of God is it to cost you some belief. It's gonna cost you some perseverance. It might cost you, say God, not my will but your will be done. That's the price of God's promises. It's putting your will down and picking up God's will. That's the price that God is talking about. He's saying that if you want to step into everything that I have for you, it's going to come a price of your will, of your belief. And there might be times that you have to employ some patience, but that's the price for the promise. So right away, I don't want anybody to be deceived how the Israelites were, that God's promises come at a price. So the next time you want to step into something that you know God has promised you, know that there might be a pushback. Know that you might have to have some patience and perseverance, but that's the price of God's promises. But it's worth it. Is there any witnesses in the house that know God's promises is worth it? (laughs) Psalms 34 says it perfectly when it says, Come and taste and see how good the Lord is. Once you get a taste of God's promises, you know it's worth the price. You know it's worth everything. In verse 30, as we continue... And it says, "Then Caleb quieted." Everybody say, "Quieted," Quiet. and a little super context about my life. Um, my name is Caleb Joshua Slavic, and uh, so when my parents, I'm pretty sure I don't know. I never talked about them about this anyways, but I'm pretty sure that's where they got it from was this story. And I was either gonna be called Joshua Caleb or Caleb Joshua, but they say Caleb Joshua. So now I like it because you know, it says right here, "Then Caleb quieted." Everybody say, "Quieted." the people before Moses, because it reminds me of me, and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb was one of the 12 spies who were sent into uh, the promised land. He's seen the same problems. He has seen the same issues and the opposition that the other 10 has, but he, but instead he had a totally different perspective of it. He begins to to, to see that that these Spies who who brought in this negative perspective, they begin to cast doubt and they begin to cast fear. And he begins to to feel the room and the belief being shaken because of the perspective that these spies has. And so he looks around and he does what I think we have to do sometimes, which is look at all the people. Maybe even really the most important thing is the thoughts in our mind that have the wrong perspective and say, be quiet. Because if you don't tell those things that are speaking opposite of God's promises to be quiet, you're giving it the allowance to have a voice in your life. Because whatever you allow grows. But every once in a while, I don't I'm not saying go up to your, your friend and look at him and say, be quiet. I'm not saying, but more in your in your head, when the enemy tries to tell you things that are opposite of God's promise, you need to say, be quiet. I'm not going to allow you to say things in my life that doesn't line up with the word of God. I'm not going to allow you to try to give me a perspective that is defeating and imprisoning. But instead, I'm going to tell you to be quiet. Verse 31. Said, But the man who had gone up with them said, we are not able. Caleb's and, and Joshua's perspective was we are able. But these ten spies then said, no, we are not able. And they said, we are not We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. So these ten spies began to give a perspective of fear, a perspective of doubt, a perspective of they are too big and we are too small. And they were saying that the land... Through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Said so there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Are y'all catching the perspective that these spies have? Like Caleb uh, and Joshua ha- have the see the same promise and same problems, of opposition, but they have a totally different perspective. See, Caleb, the, the, the perspective of the ten spies were, were, we too small? We were unable. And Caleb was saying, no, we are able to do this. The, the, the spies were saying, no, the enemy's too great. But Caleb and Joshua were saying, no, our God is too big. They had these two different opposite perspectives of the same promise and problem. Let me tell you something. Both of those perspectives were right. Both of those perspectives were true. Yes. That without God, the Hebrews had no chance. Acquire their promise. They were too small. They were too weak. And on the flip side, with God, they are more than able to find victory and acquire their promised land. And what we're later able to see, if you read down into the story, is that because of their wrong perspective, the promise was ripe, but the perspective was wrong. And because of their perspective, it held them outside of their promised land. And they had to go in the wilderness for 40 years all because they had the wrong perspective of God's promises in their life, And it makes me wonder how many of us have promises right in front of us, but we lack the perspective to see it. We lack the perspective to step into it. We we lack the perspective to say, God has promised this to me, and there might be some giants, and there might be some, you know, Jebusites, Canaanites, and Mosquito Bites, but I know my God is bigger. But see, this... A a negative perspective, that is what will keep you out of your promise. If you have a negative perspective, you will never be able to fully step into the promises that God has for you. Because if your perspective is that I'm too weak, I'm too small, God's not capable, the opposition is too large, you will never be able to step into anything that God has for you because that perspective will hold you back. That's why we say in the beginning, perspective will either empower you or imprison you. Your perspective will either push you forward or pull you back. You see, they had two different perspectives of the same promise and problems. Point number two is this. A positive perspective will protect your promise. A positive perspective will protect your promise. What I mean by this is that if God has given you a promise in your life, and it might feel dead or dormant. You, you better check see what kind of words you've been saying and what kind of perspective you have that promise. Because if you've been negative about the promises of God in your life, there's a reason why you can feel dwindling and dying in your life. But if you say, God, these promises you have given me are yes and amen. This promise you have given me, I will see it come to pass. I will follow you after no matter what. And you begin to speak life over those promises and you have that perspective, it will protect your promise. It will protect your promise. In the same way that when Caleb said, hey, be quiet, you gotta, you got you to protect your promise. If God has promised you something, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be saying the opposite of what you promised. But if you protect it and say, no, I know the promises of God are going to be stepping into my life. And I know that if, I'm the, if I just fall out Him, I'm the head and not the tail. If God is with me, who can be against me? Speak life over your promises, and that's how you protect your promise. And then in verse 14, so after this perspective that the Ten Spies gave of fear, of, of doubt, of, of lack, of, of there's no way we can do this. In chapter 14, verse 1, this is what the Hebrews did. So it says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses. And Aaron and the whole congregation said to them if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword see they haven't even stepped into their promise yet and they've really already stepped out they've already lost it because of the perspective they had they they haven't even encountered anything yet they've already lost and he said that our wives and children should become victims And this is what they said. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? See, because they had the wrong perspective, this is what we'll do in your lives. The wrong perspective of God's promises, if you have the wrong perspective of them, they will make you want because you have the wrong perspective to go back to your past instead of God's promises because your past looks better. Because you will look at the promise of God and say, well, that's going to take some faith, and that's going to take some belief, and that's going to take me stepping outside my comfort zone, so I'm going to take a step back and go back to what I know. Like, I know God has called me to start this business, but that's going to take me stepping out by faith and outside my comfort zone, so let me go back where I know I'm in control. See, if you have the wrong perspective of God's promises, it will hold you in your past for your whole life, and God is trying to pull you in the future, but because you have the wrong perspective, you think the past looks better. You think the best is behind me. You think, let's go back to Egypt. At least we had it better there. Even though when the land of milk and honey is right in front of you, but because you lack the perspective, we, we want to go back to our past. We, we know God has called us to have healthy relationships, but because that requires discipline and commitment and, and self sacrifice, say, so you know what? Let me go back to the casual relationships that I'm used to. That doesn't take that much effort. The wrong perspective will pull you to the past. And so these Israelites, they're, they're, they're seeing that for them to fully step into God's promises, it's going to cost them something. And they're, and they're confused. They, ha- they have the wrong perspective. They're confused because they're thinking that if God's promise is going to happen, well, why doesn't this happen right away? Why doesn't God just do like like, like he did and just, just split the Red Sea, make it happen right away so that we can step into everything that God has for us? And they had this wrong perspective of it. But what they didn't realize is that God's promise, God's promises in our life, it, Every promise has a process. Every promise that God has given to you has a process to it. That's point number three is every promise has a process. Turn to your neighbor and say, every promise has a process. Let me me explain that a little bit. Is that when God promises you something, when God promises you uh, something in your life, what he's really doing is saying, I'm going to promise you an outcome, but I'm also going to promise you a process. I'm going to promise you an outcome that it's going to happen, but you've got to trust me through the process. You've you, you got to know that the promise, that the, the promised land is in front of you, but the process is, is that you're going to have to go and fight out these Canaanites and all those things that are in the way. But if you trust me with the process, I will see you through that outcome. I will see you through that outcome. I think what, what happens is that we see a promise in our lives, and then what, when we begin to encounter the process of it, when we begin to encounter the things that we have to go through, we take a step back, and we say, what's going on? What, 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 we, what, why isn't things just following into place? But we have to realize that every promise has a process. Every promise has a process that every good and faithful thing God has in your life has, it, it requires a process of faith, of you being able to follow after him, of you being able to say, God, if you promise me this, and this is what God is saying, I promised you something, but also I promised you a process. But here's the awesome thing. If you just follow and trust me and believe in me and follow after me no matter what, I'm going to see you through it. Because, see, the process of the promised land was, you can read all the book of Joshua. It was a long process. All the wars they had to fight. All the battles. all but, but when they started to trust God with the process, they were then able to step into the promise. See, there's promises in our lives with a process attached to it. And we got to realize that if I want to be able to step fully into this, i got to trust the process. Turn to the name and say, trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process that if God has called you to it, he can get you through it. That this process might turn me up, but I'm not going to stop following after Jesus, after the word of God it has on my heart, because there's a process to this promise. But God's promise to us is that he will see us through it. It's going to be tough. I mean, the promise of marriage is awesome. but Who knows it's process, <laughs> right? The, 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 the promise of having a family, I mean, it's awesome. But there's a process that you have to go through. There's a process that you have to do. That if you just if 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 you don't trust God through that process, the 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 promise is going to look obscured. But if you trust God with the process and say, God, I'm gonna follow after you through every step of this, that's when God can lead you into the promises. That's when He can say, You know what? I I I'll take you through this. Tiring time uh, when they approach the the. The, the, all the armies, and when they approached Jericho, the first, the first army they had to defeat, the first city they had to conquer, the process didn't look like theirs, right? I mean, the process of going against Jericho wouldn't be the process we envision, And um, we wouldn't want to fight, but God said, trust me with the process, you're not going to fight, you're just going to see him and walk around seven times, and I'll do the fighting for you. But we trust him with the process, and he delivers the promise. We trust God with the process, and he delivers the promise. And the reason why, because sometimes we can say, God, why, why, why do I have to go through all these things? Why, why, why do I have to go through these seasons and these times? And why, why, why do I have to go through all these things to, to step into what you have for me? Why do I have to go through these trying seasons? What God is saying is because when you get on the other side of the process and you look back, you know without a shadow of doubt that wasn't you. You know, you, you know look, you'll look back and see, sometimes you can go full circle. Like, I had a full circle moment when we bought that house, Haley and I, and looked around, and I said, God, I looked around and said, God, none of this is because of me. I realized that if I, I, this, I, me trusting you and following after you and saying, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know who, and it's going to be you, so I'm going to follow after you, going I trust you with this process. <laughs> you will look back and say, that was God. That wasn't me. That was God. That wasn't me. And that's why when the Israelites went into the promised land after 40 years, finally changing their perspective. By the way, all those people who had the wrong perspective, they had to die first before they could step into the promised land. Your perspective of negativity has to die before you can step into the promises of God. And before they step into it, they had to do all these fights. They had to do all these battles. And if you read the book of Joshua, you know every step of the way God protected them, God led them, God helped them in ways they never thought. But when they look back, said it was the hand of God that guided us through all that. It was the hand of God that guided us through all that. So what we want to gain tonight when we have that perspective of our promises, because too many times do I, do I hear, I say, God's called me here. God's want me to do this. I, I feel God wanted me to start this business or do that. But the price is high and, and the, the opposition is large. Am, am I doing the right thing? A- am I doing the right thing when I feel such a big pushback? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I doing the right thing when there's a-, a price, when there's a process? And when you don't have the right perspective, you're going to think you're doing the wrong thing. Because the number one people, things that people will say is once you encounter problems, like, hey, are you sure you're following God? Like, who's ever told a family member, like, are you sure God told you that? Like, you know? <laughs> but you have to know with a shadow of that what God's promises are in your life. And if you know that God promised you, Say, God, I trust you with the process. I trust you with the process. I know I'm going to go day by day. I know I might have to go week by week just following after you, but I'm going to trust you with the process. Because if I trust you with the process, I'll get to that promise. I know it's not going to be by my back, but by your strength. I know it's not going to be by my knowledge, but the wisdom that you give me through the Holy Spirit and following after him. I mean, if there's any witnesses in the house that know that following after God and trusting with the process is worth it, I can't think of how many times I've, because see, I'm a process guy. I love making plans. I'm seeing A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. I, I like seeing how this is going to happen, how step 1, 2, 3. But the thing about God's process is what I learned, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You won't see step 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 5. You might see step 0.5. Like, you won't even see, you might see, like, a little bit. But you say, you know what, God? I trust you. I know where You promised me. I know what you're leading. I know what you're guiding. So I'm going to trust you. And after that step, and after this step, and after step three, you'll see step four. And after step four, see step five. And you realize that God's process has nothing to do with our plan, has nothing to do with our strength or our might or our will. It has everything to do with us leaning on God, with us leaning on God, with us leaning. I was talking to Haley a couple days ago, and I said as a joke. I said, you know, I'm going to preach that. I said, if you're not leaning on God, God can't lead you. If you're not leading, God ain't leading. If you're not leading on him for every step that you need him to take, God's not leading on you because if you're not relying on God to make those steps, he can't guide you. It takes you following after God, trusting him with the process to see God's fruition coming in your life. Will you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. We're going to close with Numbers 14, verse 7. Numbers 14, verse 7. So they hear all these perspectives. Joshua and Caleb hear all these things that the ten under spies are saying, and, and really they're confused because Joshua and Caleb had the right perspective. They, they, they had the perspective, of, let's go do this, we're able, we're capable. Because of that, Joshua and Caleb stepped into the promised land. But it says in verse 7, After hearing all these things that was said, said they spoke out to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights, everybody said the lights delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us, do not fear. What Joshua and Caleb are saying is that I I see the giants, I see all the opposition, I see all the problems, I see all the things that you see, but I see them from a different perspective. I see that the promise is going to take a fight, I see the things that are coming against us, I see all the things that you are complaining and whining about, but we see them from a different perspective, we see that the giants are large, but from our perspective, our God is bigger. We, we, we see the problems. We, we see the opposition. But from our perspective, I like how they say it, for they are our bread we're going to eat. There's, not gonna be, there, there's nothing for us. There, there's nothing that's going to stop us. Uh, I see the opposition. I, I, I see the problems. But God has promised this to us. So I think one of the reasons why we encounter problems when God gives us a promise, God wants to know how much that promise is worth to you. How much is that promise worth to you? you, How how much are you willing? How much are you willing to sacrifice your will? How much are you willing to put down your ways for his his ways? How much are you willing to believe? How much do you care about that promised land? Because Caleb and Joshua are saying, this is the promised land. This is what God told us is ours. It's the land of milk and honey. And I see all the things that are wrong. I see all the opposition. I see all the things that y'all are saying too. But from my perspective, the promise is worth it. From my perspective, the promise is worth the price. From my perspective, our God is bigger and that if we just follow after him, And if God has called us to this promise, if God has called us to this land, and there's problems in the way, just like how he split the Red Sea, just like how he provided us in the wilderness, he's going to make a way. He's already prepared a way. Because if God has promised it, he's already prepared it. This is what I want to close with tonight, is that if God promised me, then he has already prepared a way for me. If God has promised me, then he has already prepared a way for me. The perspective that God wants us to to get tonight is that if God has promised you something and you see the trouble and you see the pain and you see the price, know that God has already prepared a way. And that if we just follow after him through this process, if we just follow after him and say, God, I'm going to follow after you no matter what, you're going to see the way and you're going to see the prepared way that he already had beforehand see god already sees the beginning to the end he already sees you in the promised land he already sees you overcoming the jericho he already sees you overcoming the battles and the the wars and the giants that were in that land he already sees it all from his perspective from god's perspective we are already in the promise but if we say god if you call me to this promise i know you already prepared a way i don't know how I I don't know where, I don't know what, but I know, God, you're ready, prepared, away. We're about to sing some songs tonight, about to sing together. But what I want us to do is with every head head bowed and high closed, begin to think about the promises that God has given you. Begin to think about the dreams, begin to think about the, the ideas and the passions that God has placed in your heart. And there might be some dormant dreams, there might be some dead ideas, there might be some promises that you've given up and have a wrong perspective of. But begin to think about the things that God has placed in your heart and say, God, I'm going to follow after you. I, I'm going to start that business. I'm going to I'm going to start serving in that ministry. I'm going to start I'm going to start doing these things for you God and and I know I might have to sacrifice time. I might have to sacrifice my will, but your promise is worth the price. And I'm going to follow after you no matter what. And I want your Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me and to take me into these places because I want to have the right perspective of the promises in my life and that your promises are yes and amen. And you might be in this place to kill. I don't know what God has promised me. Well, I know God has promised you joy. God has promised you peace. God has promised you security God has promised you grace and self-control so and if you're in this place and you're lacking say God if you promise me I know I can attain it God if you brought me to it if you call me to it you're gonna get me through it God so with every head bowed and eyes closed begin to lift your hands let's welcome in the Holy Spirit into this place right now Jesus begin to work on our hearts Let us gain the right perspective. Let us gain the right perspective of what you want us to do, Father. Let us gain that perspective that our promises are yes and amen. Let us gain that perspective of that our promised land is ripe. Our perspective needs to be right, too, that the promised land is in front of us. If we have the perspective, we can see it, and we can step into it, God. Let us have the correct perspective of the promises in our life.